0: CHAPTER THREE OF ON THE YUKON TRAIL BY ROY J. Snell This LibreVox recording is in the public domain. CHAPTER THREE A CLUE After a hearty supper, Curly brought forth his instruments and carefully wound his coil aerial. The miner watched him for a long time in silence. Having lived in out-of-the-way places, he had learned nothing of this wonderful new invention, the radiophone. "'You don't mean to tell me,' he broke forth at last, that you can hear folks talk with just that outfit, no wires at all, and them fifty miles away? Yes, smiled Curly. Five hundred miles, or a thousand, if you like. Almost any distance when conditions are right. Dropping back upon his sleeping bag, the miner watched with increasing interest. It was evident that he found the thing hard to believe, and that... At the same time, he did not wish to doubt the word of a boy who had never told him a lie. Joe, said Curly, here's something brand new. I think it's going to help us a lot. He placed a small instrument on top of a metal box, then connected it by a tube to a loudspeaker. After that, he tuned in on the 750-meter wavelength and spoke a few words into the transmitter, Having done this, he settled back as if to await an answer. Presently, a loud jumble of sound, resembling nothing quite so much as a flock of crows fighting over a carcass, began coming forth from the loudspeaker. Joe Marion's brow wrinkled. At the end of three seconds, he exploded. Tune her up, why don't you? Curly grinned, but did not move. No use letting it go on like that. "'expostulated Joe, making a move to take a hand in the business. "'He might be sending something important.' "'He is,' said Curly, pushing his companion back to his seat. "'He's saying something mighty important. "'That's why I don't change it. "'I told you I had something new. "'Can't you wait to see it tried out?' "'Singing back into his place, Joe listened to the strange clack-clack in silence.' A few seconds later, the sound ceased. Quickly removing a small instrument and disconnecting the tube from the loudspeaker, Curly tuned in on 350, and, a moment later, they were listening to a concert which was being broadcasted somewhere on the Pacific coast. "'Do you mean to tell me that that thing is a phonograph?' said Jennings. "'No,' said Curly. "'I don't. That music comes to us over 500 miles of space,' perhaps a thousand. Seattle, Vancouver, San Francisco. I don't know which. Again, the miner was silent. Removing a small disc from the instrument, which had produced the strange jumble of sounds, Curly slipped it upon a second instrument, which resembled a small phonograph. Now listen to this, he said to Joe, as he shut off the radiophone. From the phonograph-like instrument, there came first a grating sound, then, in a somewhat metallic but very distinct tone, Maldez speaking. Your man is still active, doing much damage in air. Last night interrupted an important U.S. Army order. Seemed nearer. Appears to be moving toward us. Location somewhere south of Fort Yukon. Advise speed and caution. N.T.S. "'Well, now, what do you think of that?' exclaimed Joe. "'I think,' said Curly, "'that we have put one over on our old friend up north there, "'who persists in raising Hob in the air. "'You see,' he went on more soberly, "'it's a very recent invention. "'You slip a little affair on your sending instrument, "'which tears your tones all into little bits "'and sends them out as so much mental mince-pie.' but this little instrument here straightens them out for the person at the other end and gives them to him just as they had been spoken. I feel sure that the man we are after does not possess one of these outfits. That means that we may speak with Valdez at any time without fear of detection. All that an outside party gets is a jumble of sounds. If we ever get separated on the trail, we may speak to one another in the same way. "'You have that small reserve sending and receiving set on your sled, "'and I'm going to give you a set of these new instruments.' "'Once more,' he smiled, "'I want to state that it is my belief "'that if you keep your little radiophone dry and tuned up, "'it will help you out of any dangerous position.' "'Had they known under what strange circumstances "'this belief would be tried in the days to come, "'and on this very trip,' the two boys might not have laughed quite so merrily, as Curly again threw on the radio phone, and they listened to jazz being broadcasted from Seattle. Joe, tired out from the day's struggle over the glacier, feeling the cozy warmth of the fire, stretched himself out on his sleeping bag and fell at once into a drowsy slumber. "'Here,' said Curly, noting the eager manner in which Jennings listened to the bits of music and gossip which drifted in from the air. You listen with this. He snapped a receiver over the miner's head. I've got to shut off that loudspeaker. Want to listen in and see what I can catch. For a time, he listened on short wavelengths for his friend, the Whisperer. At last, having given that up, he tuned in on long wavelengths and at once began picking up something. Having tuned his instrument accurately and adjusted his coil aerial, he succeeded in listening in in a very satisfactory manner. "'Big business!' he whispered to himself. "'Shouldn't wonder if that was a clue.' It was indeed big business that was flashing through the air that night. It was the report of a government official, the announcement of the securing of sufficient evidence at Nome, Alaska, to convict a bold band of smugglers who had been carrying valuable jewels, taken from rich families in Russia, into America by way of Alaska. These smugglers had escaped detection for some time by traveling in native skin boats across Bering Straits. In some way, Curly could hardly make out how, the great explorer Munson had been of some assistance to the government in bringing these men to justice. Because of this service, the government was instructing all its officials, especially wireless operators, to lend every assistance possible to Munson in his dash to the pole. Don't see how a fellow three thousand miles away can help an explorer reach the pole, Curly told himself. But I suppose there must be a way. His thoughts were cut short by an interruption to the message. Someone with a powerful sending said, had cut loose into the air with his speaker, the result was utter bedlam of the air. Not one word could be recognized. That's the man Curly breathed excitedly. That's the fellow I'm after now, for his location. His fingers moved rapidly from instrument to pencil and paper, then back to instrument again. There was a look of tense excitement on his face such a look as comes upon a hunter as he sights a moose not a hundred yards away. Curly was a born hunter, a hunter of the air. He had got scent of a prey, a dangerous prey, and was at this moment hunting him down. "'There!' he breathed as the bedlam ceased, and he drew the receiver from his head. "'I know where you are, at least. You're moving. I wonder if we'll meet, and when.' "'I know what I'm going to say to you when we meet. "'Wonder if you know what you're going to say to me.' Having packed his instruments away, he stretched himself out before the fire to think. Events were moving on apace. It looked as if his journey would be shorter than he had at first believed it would be. You never could tell, though. He thought for the hundredth time of the whisperer, wondered who she really was and why her whisper had been missing tonight.' At last, reaching over to Joe, he shook him into wakefulness and told him to turn in. Having undressed, he slipped on a suit of pajamas, crept into his sleeping bag, and was soon fast asleep. End of chapter Three: Recording by Tom Penn.